Pastor Greg Surratt. Um, we are excited about today's um, call. I hope that uh, if you saw the Twitter feed or if you got the email, I hope you passed it on to some people. And hopefully if you've stumbled across here, um, maybe you have experienced um, unrest and burnout in ministry before. Maybe you've seen someone go through it, or perhaps you just want to avoid it. And if so, I think this is going to be a great hangout to you. Uh, so this is called uh, Ministry Hangouts with Greg Surratt. So let me turn it over to the uh, the man himself, Pastor Greg, how are you doing? I'm good, Sean. Thanks. Hey, everybody. We're glad that uh, you've taken some time uh, to be with us. I really am excited about this Hangout. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't been excited about some of the other ones, but uh, I am excited because of the people we're going to talk to. Uh, both of our guests, and Sean will introduce them in just a minute, uh, have written just outstanding books that have impacted myself and a lot of friends of mine. And uh, uh, I know in the work that I do at Seacoast Church and also with the Association of Related Churches, the ARC, um, burnout, flameout, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it is a really big deal. And uh, some of us admit to it uh, after it happens, <laughs> and some of us are in the middle of it, and uh, you know, we did. I, I believe that uh, today is going to be very, very helpful, and I think that God's going to use it in a powerful way. So, um, Sean, why don't you introduce our guests, and uh, then we'll we'll kind of kick the subject around. Awesome, thank you, Pastor Greg. And uh, we've got first to my uh, left, I guess on the screen there is Coach Greg, Greg Salsacholi. I think I got that pretty uh, pretty uh, close to being right. Is joining us from Oregon. And uh, Greg is the author of a book called The Enemies of Excellence as well. He is a coach at coachwell.com, coaching uh, pastors, um, leaders, entrepreneurs. And I had a chance to read your book on a long plane ride recently, Greg. Just uh, really got a lot out of it and looking forward to today's call. And then over to the right of the screen is uh, Pastor Wayne. Uh, Cordera and uh, uh, Pastor Wayne has just been influential in, in many people's lives and uh, especially pastors who have heard his personal story, uh, read uh, his books and uh, and then listened to his uh, great uh, teachings. In fact yesterday I saw a teaching from you Pastor Wayne on how to read a book and you kind of outlined how you read books and it was fascinating. Uh, I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to go back to reading real books now instead of digital books just so that I can uh, can uh, read a book the right way. So welcome, welcome, Greg. Hope you're doing well in Oregon. Welcome. You're great. Thank you. Great to see you, Pastor Wayne, and joining us from Hawaii and New Hope Church. And uh, so this is going to be a great call. I'll throw it back over to Pastor Greg to start us off. So we are in Oregon, in Hawaii, and on the coast of South Carolina. If you're watching us, you probably wish that you were us right now. <laughs> Wayne, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You know, I've never been to Hawaii. I've got to get out there. I have so many friends that have gone to your church, and uh, I so respect uh, every everything you guys are doing. It's just uh, just incredible. Appreciate you being on with us. Well, you don't want to uh, you don't want to die until you come to Hawaii, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, maybe Bucket I should wait list. a little bit longer. <laughs> well, listen, let me let me let's just jump in. Um, as you coach pastors, and I, I know both of you do, you know, formally and, and informally. Um, are you seeing that there is a rise in burnout, uh, discouragement, depression among pastors? 
or are we making some ground in this area? What, what do you see? Wayne, talk to me just, just a minute first, and then, Greg, if you could kind of chime in wherever you want to, and uh, let's go from there. Yeah, Greg, thanks for that question. Because of the uh, demands of ministry, it, it's not going to decrease, especially in these end days, whatever. We're in the end chapter, the last chapter, and mm -hmm. whether or not uh, you believe that we're in the first part, middle part, or latter part, we're in the end times, and the church is... Uh, is going to be under scrutiny. Uh, we live in a society where the moral footings are slipping and so we're going to try our best to keep pushing that church forward, working with people that are stumbling and so the burnout's going to continue. In fact, I brought my uh, iPhone here because just two days ago I received this and I'll uh, just lead, read you an excerpt, Greg, it says this, uh, Dear Wayne, I've come to a place where my spiritual energy is dried up and I don't have any juice to preach. I'm worn out, beaten, downtrodden, and I feel I was probably not called to the ministry. Your books have helped me to get started all over, but honestly, I'm tired and worn out, and I pray the Holy Spirit to guide me to a place of restoration. Mm. Now, I get these every week, and so is it diminishing? No. Uh, but at least we know some pathways to restoration and we can help one another and uh, we're not so afraid to admit that we are human, frail, and finite. Okay, good. Well, Wayne, if you got that text two days ago, it was on Monday. And uh, and so that's probably from me. Okay, <laughs> after after a weekend, I'm tired of preaching and I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> that's that's. I think we all you know it, it, you know laugh about it, but seriously, you know we all probably have a little bit of of drain after a weekend. But uh, if it's uh, sustained and ongoing, that's a that's something that we need to take a look at. Greg, what 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 do you think? What uh, what do you see as far as a rise in burnout? Um, how we doing? What, what are you seeing? You know, Greg, I, I'm not sure if there's a rise in burnout, but it seems like those who serve in ministry, they tend to over-serve and undernourish, And they, they don't have the rhythms to replenish their spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical health. And even a quote out of uh, Wayne's book says, those whose vocation is all about giving out are wearing out. Hmm. And there's a reason that we wear out is that because we're not replenishing. We don't understand that it takes a lot of energy to operate in building God's kingdom. Even to operate within the spirit, it takes physical, emotional, relational, spiritual energy. And we've got to learn how to, how to replace that. That's the key is how do you replace it on an ongoing basis? How do you replenish and have those... Let, let, let's call them energy cells for a moment. How do you replace your spiritual tank? How do you refill it? How do you refill your emotional and relational and physical tank? How do you do that in your calendar? What, what rhythms and patterns do you have scheduled to make sure that that happens in a systematic manner? Because even right now, men, we are giving out. We are expending energy right now that has to be replaced. And if we don't understand those rhythms and how to how to um, win at that, we're going to end up losing at that. And um, Wayne and I both have gone through periods of that burnout and have learned from that. And we've trained hundreds and through our coaching practices how to, how to not do that. But that, that that's what I see is that I don't think it's increasing. I think it's always been there, but I think people have a hard time understanding 
what it takes to actually replenish themselves. Okay, and maybe maybe it's a little more public these days, you know, with even what we're doing right now. We're having a line, live conversation, South Carolina, Oregon, Hawaii, that's being watched by people, you know, all over the world. Yeah. Uh, everything's instant. Uh, and when a pastor burns out, flames out, oftentimes that's not pretty. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It can be anybody in any 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 type of you know, high service industry, um, it, 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 it's on the internet, okay? You know, I'm, it, it, within uh, what I do, a couple of my friends have had very public burnouts uh, yeah. over the last year or two. And uh, uh, in the two that I'm thinking about, I think that there is uh, some, uh, I, I think there's going to be a great next chapter, you know, uh, I don't want to say end of the story, next chapter of the story, uh, because uh, some things are be being done uh, very well. We can talk about that in a few minutes, but uh, it, it becomes very public. It becomes very, so, so it seems like it's, it's uh, more so than not. Wayne, I, I've heard you say uh, that the quote, uh, if you work in your passion, you will never work a day in your life. Oh, by the way, I, I think I've used that quote before. <laughs> I've heard you say... Uh, that's a cute quote, but it's not true. And uh, uh, you, you've you had a moment when what was your joy actually drained you. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure, Greg. Uh, I do say that quote, and, and it doesn't mean that uh, you won't fry or you won't uh, become depleted or spent. It just means that you're in your passion, and so you're thriving. But even uh, you stress, the opposite of distress, uh, both stress you because they drain on you. Distress drains you in a way that's disappointing, but even in your passion, you're still going to be drained, and as Coach Greg says, we have to learn to replenish that. And one of the things in my story anyway, Greg, that made it so difficult was two factors that I had to wrestle with, and one was unending needs the needs of people. If someone isn't getting divorced, there's a wife that's struggling with domestic problems or financial setbacks and another, and then you've got staff problems. It, they're just uh, relentless. And uh, to be a problem solver, you have to understand that you're constantly running around, pumping people up or lifting up bars that are sagging. And when one goes down and you lift it up, another's dropping and drooping. So the first is, how do you deal with the unending needs? So you start delegating after a while, and that's fine. But if they drop the ball, you have twice the infection. You have twice the weight because it always comes to your desk as a senior pastor. The other side of this story is not only on one hand the unending needs that are around us every day and increasing, uh, but the other is the guilt uh, with which I was raised. Uh, I was raised by a first sergeant dad in the uh, military. And so when I would take a break, uh, he would call me lazy. And so you grow up with, and, and sometimes the Christian um, perspective puts that on you too, that you need to be selfless, you need to die to yourself. And I concur with all of that, but you keep doing that. 
and you become selfless, pretty soon you are spent and you are depleted. And when you think you'd like to take a break, you feel guilty because mm. there's so many needs out there. And they're trusting and depending on you and paying you to solve everybody's problems. So you're in this yin and this yang. You're in the warp and woof of life. And uh, walking that balance is not always something that is obvious. Uh, you have to wrestle through that, and you have to come to that, to grips with that balance. And that's not something that you just come to overnight. So, um, Greg, what I know in your book you talk about some warning signs that maybe you know a friend of yours or whatever um, uh, has gone through. We've all gone through. What, what are some signs that I'm in some dangerous territory uh, when it comes to the burnout deal? Greg? Are you talking to Coach Greg? Yes, I okay. am. <laughs> Hello, Greg, wake up. Um, like, it's one Greg talking to another. When it's me talking to you, it's going to be just Greg. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> The largest warning sign is a person's personal life becomes unraveled. So you'll, you'll see that their personal life has a lot of starts and stops. They don't they don't take care of themselves very well. Um, relationships don't don't get the attention that they need. So now they're fighting two battles: the the battle that Wayne just talked about of the unending need. And then there's a battle at home now where there's fragmented relationships at home, as well as they don't sleep well. Um, their phone ends up by their bed. Um, they're not. They're not turning it off. And you, you'll begin to see fragmentation happen at home. Fragmentation happen in their own personal life. Bad habits begin to populate like rabbits. And people are are grabbing and going. They're they're grabbing food on the run, but it's not the right food. Or they're just trying to prop themselves up with caffeine all day, and they don't hydrate well. Most people are chronically dehydrated. And so you'll see a lot of these patterns that, that are there, and now there's two fire fronts. There's the home front is on fire, my own personal life, as well as the ministry and the un, un, unending need. So that's, that's what, what you begin to see, Greg. You know, I, um, um, two or three years ago, you know, we're doing a lot of services, and uh, I can remember one Easter, Sean was with me, uh, on an Easter that I, I think I was doing eight services on the Easter and I think we uh, we got down to number six and I, Easter's are hard for me because I have sinus stuff and you know it's that time of year and all that and so I'm I'm laying on the couch uh, w my nose is running uh, I've got two more services to go I am exhausted and so I had Sean said can I help you and I said yeah get me uh, a Mountain Dew and a um, which has lots of caffeine and a uh, uh, an antihistamine and we'll chase that with a Red Bull and I think we'll be able to get through this next couple of services and so and so what I say is you know if you if you don't have time for the anointing of the Holy Spirit uh, get you some antihistamine, a Mountain Dew, and chase it with a Red Bull. It's a cheap artificial substitute. That that ultimately, and you know what? This isn't funny. I mean, that's funny. I, I I think it's kind of funny. It was kind of a unique situation. But I have a lot of friends. I I, I was doing it myself too. That um, you know, you wouldn't think of 
you know, the, the, the drugs that are the big no-nos, you know, and, uh, but you would do Red Bull regularly, you know, or caffeine regularly in order to get through the work of the ministry uh, yeah. that you've got to get through, you know, and I crashed. I mean, I didn't crash morally necessarily. My body crashed, and I found myself in a hospital um, with uh, doctors saying, uh, we got to change this lifestyle. Uh, just a little bit, and uh, so I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that. Well, Greg, what one thing that you'll find is that um, let, I'm going to bring up the screen here for a moment. Is that the more that we have patterns of renewal, the more that we have patterns of spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical patterns scheduled within within our calendar, the more that we'll be in a place where we actually have resources to pull from, even in those intense times. So workouts, time of silence, time of prayer, time where we're reading, time where we have exercise, um, time where we're going to the doctor to get allergy shots to remove the issues or, or to address those long-term physical ailments that we have. The more that we invest in these patterns, the more that we have a reservoir to pull from for those intense moments. The less that these patterns are built and established, because we, we, we say to ourselves, we, we don't give ourselves permission. We don't have time for those things. We, there's so much to do, Coach Greg. I don't have time to re replenish myself. And I said, well, there will, there will come a time when you'll be forced to take the time because you will hit a wall of failure that is insurmountable for you to, to address with Red Bull and antihistamine and Mountain Dew and, and, a, and a, you know, a half a gallon of, of uh, coffee. There's a point when that won't work anymore, when you have drained everything down so much that you're now burning your wiring. So we have found a lot of success in helping people identify and establish these patterns and build them into their schedule as regular systematic patterns, and that's where we found a lot of success. Okay. Wayne, what about you? What, what, what do you do in your own life uh, to um, you know, make sure that you're not burning it at all ends and doing artificial stuff. Uh, I think Wayne just left us. <laughs> uh oh. He'll, uh, we'll, we'll get him back. I, I think he's coming back right now. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll get back with him uh, in, uh, in just a minute. So, We have a question from Twitter, Pastor Greg, while uh, Pastor Wayne gets on. Uh, they okay. might even uh, uh, speak to the same thing. Uh, Jess LaCour on Twitter asks, um, how much vacation time do you take in a year? And, and maybe I would even expand that and just ask it to you, Pastor Greg, then Coach Greg, and, and when Wayne gets back on, we can ask him the same thing. What does that look like on a daily basis for you? Maybe a you know a, a weekly, yearly basis, just to take that time, and then and then to answer Jess's uh, question, how much do you take in a year? And I'll go to you first, Pastor Greg, just to kind of speak to that Twitter question. We'll go to me, and then we'll let the coach. Tell you the truth, and <laughs> tell you what I, what I ought to be doing. Um, for me, uh, it, it there's kind of some limitations that I put in my life, so that there hopefully uh, limitations aren't imposed on me uh, arbitrarily. And by the way, um, Greg, what you were saying just a minute ago that uh, either you you make time for some of these things, or you, you will find yourself at a major crash. Where you will have time for these things, uh, probably in a way that you you don't want to. And it, uh, I was talking to one of my friends who um, you know crashed from 
just a crazy schedule and then choices made during that. And uh, there's a so he's he's got some new patterns in his life uh, that makes his life uh, you know something that I would aspire to anybody would aspire to, and so he maybe he was served well by that. Uh, the the way what I do in my own personal life is number one I limit the number of times that I will preach on a weekend. Uh, you know I mean Easter is the Super Bowl, and so there are exceptions. But if the exception becomes the season, uh, then we, we have a problem. And uh, but uh, So I've limited it to three times on the weekend uh, is the most that I will preach. And there are several of my friends that have made that same commitment. It's a marathon and not a sprint. Uh, and, so, uh, and we've discovered that when we have more services, we have 31 services at Seacoast. And um, of those, you know, some of them are live preached by some people, but... Uh, a, a majority of them are on video and it works. It's a technology for today. Um, I do um, every day. Uh, I do a uh, you know a spiritual renewal uh, with the Lord. I have them throughout the day too. When I find myself getting a little bit stressed out, I'll uh, uh, take some time, take a walk, go outside, some of those types of things. Uh, ride a bike for exercise. Uh, still not where I want to be on that, but we're we're getting there. Um, and then uh, uh, weekly I observe uh, a Sabbath. Uh, you know, it's not a legalistic thing uh, in, in one sense, but in another sense I call it a Sabbath because it's very easy for me just to blow off a day off, whereas a Sabbath is something I do unto the Lord. So uh, Friday is Sabbath. My kids call it Family Fun Day. And, uh, you know, uh, even with a lot of my family, are involved with me in church in the at Seacoast in church work, and so when we get together uh, on a Friday, we're tempted to talk about church, and so I have to, for my own sanity, say, no, this is a no church zone. Um, we'll talk about it uh, Saturday or Sunday. In fact, uh, with the church just a week ago, I I said in a loving way, I said, you know, I always tell you guys I love you guys. I said that's not true on Friday. I don't love you on Friday. You know, I, I don't even think about you on Friday. Uh, and, and then I said, in case, well, you know, if there is an emergency, and let me define that an emergency is not you've screwed up your life for the last 15 years and you just discovered it on Friday. That's not an emergency, okay? And uh, if you die, you know, and, and we need to deal with it uh, with, with your family, we'll, we'll deal with that any day. But Friday is sacred for me. Uh, and then, uh, so so that's kind of a, Yes, for a weekly deal. That's my weekly routine. Well, what about uh, Wayne? I was going to ask you that. What what boundaries? And then let's get to Greg, and and uh, we'll we'll talk about what what sh what could be routines that would be much better than what I have. Uh, <laughs> Wayne, what limits do you have in your life right now that uh, help you to to uh, to maintain you know the energy and and what you need to do? Are there are there things that you impose, or what's your schedule like? Well, before I go over a schedule, uh, one of the things I found, Greg and Coach Greg, uh, that helps me is uh, the change of perspective here. Uh, when you are younger, you can go a lot longer before you take a break. And uh, the older you get, the time before you take a break gets shorter and shorter. But here's the perspective change that I have to make, and that is my mind thinks I can 
but my body says, no, you can't. And I don't know that switch on the inside because I keep thinking I can do it. And then my body revolts. My body rebels. It pickets. And it just recedes and drops out. And then I think, what is going on? There's something uh, of incongruence in me because I can do this. But my body is saying no. So at that point, we have to understand that our guardrails are changing. Our freeway is narrowing. And so are our guardrails. And we have to understand that. That's a, a change, a constant change that I have to make in my perspective. Here in Hawaii, because uh, we're on an island, uh, I found that I have to find a place of healing or respite off the island. So because my wife is from Oregon and Coach Greg, you're in Bend, and my wife is from Eugene yeah. Springfield, uh, we have a place in Eugene that I write, and it's a farm. It's an old family farm that we built a house, and we love horses, and so... I go there to write, I go there to heal up, rethink, to pray, to fast, to uh, Sabbath for a season there. And because if you're on the if I'm on the island and I'm trying to rest and I get a call on my cell phone or someone contacts me, because you're on the island, they expect you to respond because you're right there. But just the mentality of our culture in in Hawaii if you are and hear the words off island then they don't expect you to personally resolve their problem it can be delegated to another pastor so almost the, the uh, uh, requirement is that I am off island I rest for a period of time but when I'm back on I need to be somewhat present so that's one of the small things that I do and that is to get away to another place of healing, re-inspiration, retooling, and that gives me the uh, time to refill my tank. And how often, as I come back, I come back with a renewed energy. Wayne, how often will you do that? Well, I'll do that about every seven weeks where I'll take a week off, and then in the summertime I actually take a study break for six to eight weeks where I'll write a book or something, uh, but uh, right now it's about every six to seven weeks I'll take a week off, kind of depending on how I feel. And then I have Sabbath moments here on this island, of course. I paddle out in the ocean, so the good thing about paddling a one-man canoe uh, with an outrigger is when you're in the ocean, there's nobody around you <laughs> except fish, uh, sometimes big fish. But... Uh, no cell phones, nobody, uh, you're out in the waves, and I do that often. So let's help some people here. How, not that we're not helping already, but okay, <laughs> so, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about um, a guy who, uh, or a family who are pastoring a church, and um, you know, I, I heard, uh, let, me, let me digress here a little bit, I heard uh, uh, who's the uh, uh, leadership guru, uh, What's wrong with me in the business world that died not too long ago? Um, uh, John Maxwell. No, no. Uh, um, Bob Buford um, talks about oh. him as a as a mentor. Uh, Peter Drucker. Uh, Peter Drucker. Drucker. There Peter we go. Drucker. Yeah, it's the senior moments that Wayne was talking about. Why I couldn't get that just <laughs> real quick. So Peter Drucker says that the hardest job 
uh, in America is the job of a mega church pastor. He says it's harder than you know president, harder than CEOs of companies because of all the things we're t you know you've got a, a CEO has to manage the budget, you know do you know make sure the right people are there, plus give the speech of his life every year at the shareholder meeting. We do the same thing, only we give the speech of our life every week, okay? Uh, and and then all the things that we're talking about. And so he he made the case that's tough. I've been a mega church pastor for a while, and I've also been a little church pastor. And I think my job might be easier than a smaller church pastor who doesn't have all of the help that I do. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, th I think I think uh, Drucker might have got that a little off. Uh, so, so we've got a, a, a pastor of a smaller church, mega church, whatever it happens to be, and he hears Wayne Cordero say, you know what, one of the ways I stay fresh is every six to seven weeks, I take a week away, go to Oregon, have a place, and then in the summer, I take a whole, you know, five, six, seven weeks uh, off, and he goes, man, that sounds great, and the board goes, uh, you know what, uh, we pay you to work, and we don't get those breaks, and... <laughs> You know, uh, th that type of thing, which guys face, to, to be reliable. One of my friends who burned out asked for a sabbatical, and they said, you know, why should you get one of those? And he desperately needed it. What do you say, uh, Wayne, to, to a group like that? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, let me give context. I've been, this is my 30th year at uh, New Hope, so we didn't do that the first 15 years. Uh, we we kept our nose to the grindstone, had to take Sabbath moments along the way, and uh, and so no, it's not not something that people can do in their first five seven years of ministry. But as Coach Greg was saying, we've got to find times of renewal and restoration and relationships spiritually, etc. And that wonderful graphic that he gave, and it's so true. I concur. So I am on the 30th year with New Hope. And so I've got to think of different ways that give me a block of time because our biological, physiological systems differ from person to person. And in the beginning, I used to take short breaks right here, done, no problem, it helped me a great deal. But after a while, they didn't refill me, didn't give me time enough to slow charge, to trickle charge. And I'm finding now, I'm 61, uh, that... Uh, I have to take a little more time to trickle charge. It's different from when I was 35. I agree, but Heibel's kind of uh, modeled for, for a lot of us um, this kind of healthy lifestyle after he just about burned out. and He was a lot younger than you or I are uh, at this point in our life. Uh, Greg, t talk to me about when you know how how about a pastor that's in his fifth, tenth year, twelfth uh, year, whatever? Uh, would you recommend longer breaks? Uh, you know some of the type of things that we're talking about. You know, Greg. First of all, Wayne has gave some some great tips, but let me just share this. First of all, a pastor's got to have permission. The, the hardest thing before they can even answer this question, they have to know: Is God approving of this? And the good news is Paul coached Timothy on this. In 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16, he said, Set before the believers an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. The word example there is the word where we get typos from or pattern from. 
set before them a pattern and in an exemplary fashion the way that they should live. So one of the things pastors have got to understand is that God has given you permission to set a pattern of, of revitalization in front of your people. They may not even understand it, but you're the one who gets permission first to set that pattern and to be that example in speech, in life. The word there in the Greek means manner of living. That your manner of living is an example to them as to how to live. So part of the pastor's got to understand that God's given him permission through Coach Paul first to, to Timothy saying, Hey, and notice that that's before he says preaching of the word, before he says exercise your gifts. And at the very end of that scripture, he talks about watch your life and doctrine closely. So we need to help pastors recognize, and pastors, please hear me today. You have permission from God to live a life of balance and be revitalized. You, you're not being a poor servant that way. You're not laying down your post. You're not abandoning your people. You are doing something that God has asked you to do through Paul's coaching to help us be vital in our roles and bring energy and strength to our service into our calling. So I think, Greg, the first thing, and I think Wayne would probably agree with this, the first thing is we've got to help them understand they have biblical permission to do this. Secondly, is the Sabbath can be every day. I can get on my mountain bike today at 3, and I can get on the trails. Wayne, I, I want to paddle with you because I love to paddle. We just came back from Kauai, and, and I love to paddle. So someday you and I have got to paddle together. But I... My, my paddle right now is my, is, my, is my mountain bike. When I get on that and I go out there and tear up the forest and smell the forest and go through rocks and mist trees and crash here once in a while, that's my time to really be able to let go of everything. That's part of my emotional recovery, Pastor, Pastor Greg. It's part of my emotional recovery, my physical energy generation. That's also a place where I relieve stress. It's also a place where I pull over at times and pray. I can hit three accounts, spiritual, emotional, and physical in one activity. Hmm. Tonight, when, when last night, Diane and I went on a bike ride together. We love to go ride after dinner or sometimes before dinner. That's a small little thing we can do, but it's a sabbatical moment where we're able to connect relationally, kid and have fun and ride around town. We went down and got a little bit of dinner. That's a, that's a relational account I'm able to hit. I'm touching a little bit on physical. It's also emotional recovery for me because our kids joined us. Our young kids joined us downtown for dinner. I got to hit three accounts again in one short activity. We can have sabbaticals throughout a day. Hmm. I think it's critical to look at that is that, that God's given us permission and we can have those sabbaticals throughout a day and also... I'll get into more, but once a quarter, as as Pastor Wayne's already recommended, once a quarter you've got to get away. So once a quarter you've got to go for a deeper trickle charge on your battery, but you also need these daily sabbaticals that are scheduled in your calendar that you give yourself permission to have that brings more vitality to your back to your people. Excellent. And uh, Wayne, I want to say earlier, I, I didn't disagree with anything you said. I love the pattern of sabbatical in your life, the daily, you know, or, or however often it is with, you know, kind of getting away and then the 
quarterly breakaway and then uh, you know a yearly kind of a retreat. I love that. I, I think that's why you are 30 years in in what you're doing. Uh, so so that's uh, that, that's excellent. What about what about this um, the idea of a uh, so we. We we can have daily breakaways every week. I think we need to have a, just a you know a a clean schedule on one day to to uh, do the things that re-energize us. Uh, then we need uh, quarterly or periodic uh, breakaways. What about a yearly um, mini sabbatical? How would you handle that, um, uh, Wayne? What do you what do you do when when you're on uh, a study break or sabbatical? How, what, what does that look like? Uh, Greg, what I do is I uh, go to our family farm, and by the way, let me give you just some context because everybody's life is so individual and it's no way a one-size-fits-all. Uh, one of the reasons I do that, and some people say, well, I wish I could do that. Well, it's not for everybody because, see, again, uh, as you might recall, my wife is from that area. Mm -hmm. She's got a very large family. She's from a pioneer family from the uh, Oregon Trail, the wagon train. And so she goes back many uh, generations to that area. Thirty years ago, when I brought her to Hawaii, she left all of her family, her mother, her father, aunts and uncles. Thirty years she's been here. And at this time in my life, I owe her uh, time to reconnect with family mm, that's, that's passing good. away that's one great. by one. And so That's if true. I say, no, I'm just going to relax in Hawaii, I'm not thinking about her. I'm just That's thinking great. about me. So part of the sabbatical is you've got to think about your family. You've got to think about your children. You think about your spouse. They need some rest, too. What is best for them lest we become the epicenter of everybody's emotional bucket saying, poor you? Well, still we must remember we're shepherds and we're still servants. So... In Oregon, it allows my wife to reconnect with all of her aging relatives and family, and she is thrilled with that. At the same time, I am able to do some writing, which I love to do, to be able to golf or, or work with horses. I love horses, so it allows me to recharge, and it allows my wife to reconnect relationally with those that she loves. That's so important to me. When I see her doing well, it restores me. That's good. Greg, you want to chime in on sabbatical. What does that look like? How often should you should you uh, have like uh, major breakaway time? Uh, a lot of the guys, they're finding a lot of successes that they go ahead and do it yearly now. They used to do that five or seven year cycle, but what they were finding is that, and what we found in our studies, it's, it's just too long of a period of time. So what, what Wayne's talking about is, is, you know, kind of pick a month. For me, it's, it's part of August. It's every year. I, I, I know that. It's in my head. Uh, you know, I plan towards that. So August is that time. Uh, a lot of guys take a, a July. So some people take June, depending on what works for their family. So really, a, a yearly sabbatical is much more highly recommended than this five or seven year cycle. Um, you may not be around in five years. I mean, you know, it, we, we need those breaks more often. And honestly, we're going we're to bring back more innovation, more energy, more creativity. It, our ministry is going to thrive much more if we take more frequent breaks 
then we then we t then we take those breaks that are longer apart. So we we highly recommend in you know, even in the 16 years of of my own ministry service that yearly break was really really critical. Okay. What about uh, Wayne and Greg? Either one of you. Um, this is so good. How do you do you apply this to staff? I mean, because a lot of people that are listening right now are are going cool, you know. But I'm on a staff, and my pastor takes care of himself, but I feel a little bit abused here in this whole thing. Um, how how does it apply? How does it apply to staff? Do, do we have some of the same measurements? Are they different? Uh, how does how does that work, Greg? How would you address that? You know, I I. It a lot of it depends on the culture, Pastor Greg. I mean, it, some cultures are are not open to as much replenishment as other cultures. I'll just put it that way. Um, and they burn people out. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Would and, you, and they wonder why that why that staff door just keeps swinging. It keeps swinging. Yeah, it keeps swinging. Um, so we do recommend that people coach up, and that principle of coach up means that that they come and share the concept. Of vacation is important, but this is replenishment time for me. This is professional replenishment, and that's the term that we like to recommend people use: is to go and coach up to their superiors and say, "I'd like to take a two-week time for professional re re replenishment. Here's what I plan to do: I plan to read these resources. I plan to work on this ministry plan. I also plan to have a deeper connection with with my, with my bride." And my children here, so it's it's a planned professional development replenishment process. Sorry, Wayne, we lost you there for a moment. But um, with that professional development, that's a term that is boards and pastors and uh, directors tend to want to begin with. And you may have to start small. You may have to start with a week for a, for a professional development time. Then you can maybe advance it to a two-week period. But it, it really is, if they come with that kind of a plan, Pastor Greg, we found that it's much more acceptable if they are, especially if they're in a culture that's not used to those kind of replenishment breaks. Well, and, and honestly, what we're talking about here is, uh, you, you said it very well, it's a lifestyle that's reproducible, okay? And that's, it's discipleship. Yeah. And um, when there is replenishment, there's going to be, theoretically, there's going to be a better pr productivity too when we're doing what you know what we're called to do, paid to do, whatever it happens to be. Uh, Wayne, let me let you weigh in on that just a little bit. What I said was um, uh, there there may be staff members. I know there are uh, staff of churches listening uh, who would say, uh, "What about staff? How do we you know do do we have the same types of things uh, for staff? How do you make sure that staff is not burning out?" That that is a such a good and critical question, Greg, because oftentimes pastors, we think about ourselves and our energy level and our ability to bounce back, and we forget we've got a whole bunch of people that are working just as hard mm -hmm. and putting their hearts forth and trying to serve the people. So a couple of things is, number one, I, I put the ball in their court in the same way as it has to be in my court when you feel you need to take a break you take a break and just let us know so that we communicate and cover one for another and uh, and so they have to monitor their own energy level I can't do it however the second point is I've got to watch what I call looking for uh, brown ed browning edges 
on their lives, when we start to see their relationships start to crumble, or uh, their um, decisions starting to become edgy, uh, then we say, how are you doing? Uh, do you need to take a break? And uh, can we cover for you? How's your plate? Is it too full? And we try to ask innocent, not accusing or, or questions or making allegations, but as innocent a question as we can. How can we help you? How's your plate? Is it too full? And so we suspend judgment because they may be struggling with something that they need help on, but they don't know how to ask for it. That's good. It's kind of the difference between serving your staff and using your staff. You know, re recognizing mm -hmm. that these are gifts from God uh, for that we're accountable really to God for, uh, even before we're accountable for the church. Yeah. yeah, that's really good, Greg. Um, Greg, let me let me just uh, in your book, uh, Seven Enemies of Excellence, which all my friends are reading. Okay, <laughs> they've already read Wayne's and loved it, and now they're reading Greg's, and I recommend both of those uh, highly. But you have um, you have seven enemies. As, as a, a coach of pastors, which one or two do you think uh, pastors struggle with the most? Well, let me, let me bring that image up. I'll bring it up right now, Greg, so people can see it. Um, what, we, what we found in our research and in our experience of coaching hundreds of leaders over the years is that there are, we're always, leadership is intrinsically risky itself. Um, and so everybody is at a low level of risk at all times. Um, you're, you're never risk-free within, within leadership. We found that most people were at risk for their ego, and their ego either was towards building something great, Greg, or it was towards building something that well, for myself or that, that was significant for me, that built my, my significance. That ego, depending on how you manage your ego, all of us have that can lead towards where you're overcommitted, you have too many projects, too many emails, too many meetings because all decisions come back to you because you're the egocentric center of all things and therefore your life management suffers and, and bad habits develop. Now we're always working in these three areas to, to maintain low risk, ego, life management, and, and bad habits. We're always mitigating those as best we can by prayer, counsel, good disciplines, good rhythms in our life for renewal. That's how we're managing those. If we don't manage those, what we found in our research in our, is that people can move to a medium level of risk that accelerates, Greg. See, people move into indulgence because they're trying to escape bad habits and they're trying to escape their life that they can't manage very well. So many times they move into indulgence and now an acceleration happens to where relationships begin to break down. They move into isolation. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. And once you're in an isolation, now you've crossed over into a high point of state of, and then, then you start to act out in self-sabotaging manners and it's very hard to, re by the way, it's very hard to reverse this process. The further you move, the longer it takes and the harder it is to reverse it. And many times people are not able to reverse it. It's very, very difficult. 
There, there's a there's a snipping of conscience. There's a loss of values. There's a loss of morality. A loss. Of, so we want to try to help people stay in this low level of risk. That's why we recommend patterns of renewal and best practices of, of breaks to ensure that you stay in this low level of risk. So it always starts with ego. Hmm. It always starts there. And then it moves up this ladder. Let me ask both of you as we kind of, uh, we've probably got time for just one more. Uh, I, I want to do something at the end. but um, So I find myself... Uh, in a very vulnerable place. I find myself either, uh, I I sent the email that Wayne just got, you know, or uh, maybe I've stepped further along the line in self-sabotage. What, what, what do you, what does a pastor do? What's, what's my, how can I get out of this cycle? What, what's my next step? Wayne, maybe you can address that just a little bit if you would. Yeah, I think uh, exactly what Coach Greg was saying. The first thing is to recognize it, to recognize exactly what the culprit is, what has been stalking you. And once you, I can, once you can identify it, then you can deal with it. Otherwise, it's ethereal. You just know it's in there somewhere, and it's, it's bugging you, it's stalking you. And then you look, as uh, Coach Greg was saying, you, you begin to involve yourself in indulgences. You indulge in this, indulge that to mitigate or maybe even to sedate that concern, that anxiety on the inside. So the first is to, to talk with somebody, to, to identify what, what it might be. And it's going to require some humility because as uh, you address so eloquently, Coach Greg, that uh, uh, ego is something that you have to be able to look at in the eye and say, that is me. I wrestle with that. So it will require a measure of humility. And the other is to develop a team that loves Jesus and loves you in that order so that they can gather around you and say, Wayne, we need to give you permission to take a break or we need to give you permission to not come to this service. We got it. Please go home. I remember after one of the services I was setting, uh, taking down chairs with everyone else because I thought I was to be the example, mm -hmm. right? And so I was sweeping and setting, uh, putting chairs away and one of our servants came and tapped me on the shoulder and looked at me in the eye and said, go home. <laughs> I said, well, I'm here. I've got to serve. He said, no, no. That's what we get to do. You're taking our ministry away. You spoke. You preached. Now please go home and let us be a part of this ministry. And what he did was, in a kind uh, but strong way, uh, give me permission to go home and rest. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I appreciate people like that that hold me accountable to my own finite frailty and allows me permission to rest. That's good. Greg, would you add anything to that? What do you do if you find yourself in a vulnerable place? I, I like to work on, on being actually prepared for this. So what, what Pastor Wayne has said is excellent. All I would add to this is, is that we recommend that people form a core group of people around them to steward your soul on an ongoing basis. Please don't wait until you get to a medium or a high-risk level. Recognize we're all at a low risk right now where we sit. So establish a core group of advisors that is just as Pastor Wayne has said. Love Jesus first and then love you 
and establish that core group. Now you may even hire some of those people that you need in that core group. You may need someone who has certain skills that are not in your core group. Form that core group and then apply yourself to them as, as trusted advisors and let them speak into about your soul management. Let them give you reflections on your ego, on your motivation, on your ambition, on, on your motives for the things you're doing. Let them speak in and help you steward your soul at a healthy level. That's been what we have found has been a, a, a way to avoid moving up that ladder to a higher risk faster grade. So wh where do I find those people? I'm in a church. I'm a pastor of a church. Are they inside the church? Are they outside the church? In my city, out of my city? What do they look like? They may be an all of those regions. Um, you have to be very selective and very careful who you select in this core group. Um, it may be a paid counselor. It may be a professional coach. It may be a, a trainer that you hire. So I'm, not, I'm also seeing that professional servants can also help in this realm. And it may be someone, it may be an associate outside of your city, even outside of your state that you can trust. It's got to be a high trust group. They don't necessarily have to be with you and are not necessarily your board of elders as well. So I just want to recommend that you choose them very selectively, very carefully. Pastor Wayne, maybe you have something to weigh in on this as well, but um, we have found that people who establish this core group are highly successful and are able to benefit from the collective expertise and wisdom in that core group that they don't have themselves. Good. And I, I agree. Thanks, uh, Greg. And uh, I have a group of two, three groups, and they're concentric. And the first is us, our management team and the staff that I work with. Uh, we really try to be transparent with one another, and I meet with them often, and we speak into each other's lives about ministry, personal life, and supporting each other and helping, keeping each other accountable. And the second is uh, our elders that... Uh, are part of our church. We've got three of them that speak into my life. They're older and they, they speak uh, with great authority and a veracity. And then the third concentric circle will be people like uh, both of you where there's friendships that begin to take place. And I was struggling once called uh, Bill Hybels and, and uh, said, can I just come and hang out for you for with, with you for a day? And he was so kind to say, come on over and and that yeah. helped me so much. What I gained as if, let's say, we flew out and was with you, Greg, or whatever friendship that a person might have in his circle, mm -hmm. to spend time with yeah. a, an elder, someone that has some veracity, some experience, some authority, and they'll speak into your life, and you can go with that for six months. That's good. I like to, uh, I, I say it this way uh, when talking to groups of pastors, I, I think that uh, every pastor <clears throat> needs to sit down with at least one table, and you're you're saying Wayne, it's multiple tables, which I agree with, uh, mm -hmm. uh, with a group of people, a group of men who love you but are not impressed with you, and uh, because most of the people we speak to are pretty impressed with us, and uh, you need people that love you desperately but they're just not they're not that impressed, you know, and uh, so that's good. Hey, listen, uh, we got about two or three minutes here. Here's what I want to do. Uh, this is the segment of the show where um, w what are you reading, what are you seeing, um, what have you written, 
uh, any conferences. This is the time for uh, shameless self-promotion, and I want that because w the products that you guys are doing are things that will help, or even what you're thinking or, or going to or hosting are things that will help uh, the rest of us uh, in our journey. So, Greg, I'll start with you. Um, talk to me about uh, uh, books, conferences, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, Greg, thank you. First of all, I'd like to say we have a team that helps us write our blog that we have a lot of people come look at every week. So if you go to coachwell.com, at the very top you can sub subscribe and get it automatically to you. We, we try to put the best of what we're learning in research as well as with working with clients, what's working the most. It's full of best practices that can assist you in all the levels that we talked about today. So I'd love to invite people to actually do that. And then um, books that I'm reading, one right now is the book called Just Listen. Um, active listening is probably one of the primary skills that can advance anybody in any career, especially pastors, is learning how to active listen. And so that, that book, Just Listen, is an excellent book um, that I would highly recommend to teach us in those skills of really actively listening, being able to understand what people are truly saying to us and then be able to, to decipher that adequately and to make sure that we are engaging with them and not just uh, dis dismissing what they're saying. And your book is uh, on this subject is what? Give me the title again. The Enemies of Excellence. Okay. And you can get it on Amazon and get it on your iPad. Or um, I Also, what I'd like to offer today, Greg, if anybody does subscribe, that we have a free um, growth guide that goes with the book. We'd love to just email that to them. If they if they s subscribe in the next few days, they can send us a little contact and say, please, there's also a contact and say, please send me the free growth guide for the Enemies of Excellence. We'd love to send that to them. This is a gift, Greg. Good. If my administrative assistant is listening, uh, which she is, get me subscribed. All right. Okay. Wayne, uh, what, what, what are you writing, reading, conferences? Uh, what's happening? I'm doing a Bible commentary right now that uh, uh, about how to uh, apply or convert knowledge into wisdom for living. And a lot of times we look at Bibles and commentaries that gain us more knowledge, but we can't convert it into wise living. And so uh, I'm working on that with Zondervan right now. But the three books, uh, there's three books I'm reading. One is uh, just about to come out with Larry Osborne, uh, Innovate. Innovation's Dirty Little Secrets. He has an uh, interesting way of writing, and I, I enjoy uh, Larry Osborne. But the other two, uh, one by Dietrich Bonhoeffer on discipleship, and then the third I'm reading, Ravi Zacharias on the end of reason. Mm. And uh, I want to uh, understand more theologically how to deal with the society that we have at large and how then shall we live, as Francis Schaeffer once said. So very interested in that. And and I would encourage everyone to visit our um, website or our mentoringleaders.com, mentoringleaders.com. And there I put up some articles, uh, even uh, things from excerpts from Leading on Empty, the book that uh, we're addressing. Mm -hmm. But uh, mentoringleaders.com, and if we can help you, let us know. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, that was a quick hour. <laughs> so, so many things and so much more that we could do. I, I want to say thank you to both of you uh, for giving time toward this. I, you know, I know both of you are very, very in demand, very busy, and uh, we appreciate you investing in just leaders everywhere uh, in this way, really do. And uh, those of you who are watching or listening right now, 
uh, I'm going to encourage my entire staff uh, to look at this podcast. And if you have ministry friends uh, that you think could benefit from it, ministryhangouts.com. It will be archived within just a few minutes, and I think it will be a great investment uh, for your team, your staff, your friends. And uh, we appreciate your your uh, being on board today also. So, until uh, Sean, tell us what's what's happening in the future. What's what's next? Yep. Uh, well, thanks again, everybody, for joining us at ministryhangouts.com here with Greg Surratt. And uh, on September the 11th, we'll have our next hangout. We're going to be looking at building uh, a dream team. And so we've got Steve Blair from over at Church of the Highlands, uh, one of the best dream team volunteer teams in the in the world at Church of the Highlands. You're going to want to hear what Steve has to say. We have Matt Keller, uh, who's getting ready to release a, a book, uh, God of the Underdogs, but who also is a leadership guru, has built a great dream team. Uh, there at Next Level Church, and so you, you'll want to be a part of September the 11th along with other guests there. Also, this is our 13th ministry hangout, so we have 13 or 12 others, I guess, archived there on the site. Go back through, take a look at those. Um, there's a lot of helpful stuff that you can pass on to your staff, use as a staff development time, um, or even just kind of take some stuff from it and teach it yourself, so it's a resource there for you. But until September 11th, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Thank you, Coach Greg, and as always, thanks, Pastor Greg, Thank for uh, hosting this, and we will see you guys in a couple of weeks.